Hello and welcome to episode 0 of Dice Heist. I am so excited to finally be getting this project off the ground. But before we go getting ahead of ourselves, I believe introductions are in order. My name is Raislin, and later I will be joined by my three co-hosts, Aaron, Bronson, and Nick, who will be my players in this actual play 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I am especially excited to share with all of you the world of Nagonia, a world of high fantasy on the edge of industrialization. I will be the Dungeon Master, or DM, for this game of 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons. And for those of you who may be unfamiliar, this means that I will be the one dictating the events that will transpire in the world and presenting our players with opportunities and challenges. Their role will be to decide what their characters would do in the situations presented. And when the things they wish to do have a chance of failure, we refer to the rules of the game to help us out, which will normally involve players rolling a 20-sided die to determine success at random. The rules are more complicated than that, but you really don't need to worry about them any more than that right now. A note for those of you who know the rules of Dungeons & Dragons like the back of your hands, or you've just played it before. I want you to know I will not be sticking strictly to the rules. And when I say this, uh, I give myself two exceptions here. So number one, the rule of common sense, which I use uh, mostly when rules don't make complete sense to me. Uh, and in that case, I will just rule in a different way, whatever makes more sense to me and whatever will make it a better production. I'll do whatever makes uh, more sense to me and my players and just the game in general and uh, the story. Number two, of course, is the rule of cool. And this is more just breaking the laws of the game and the world just so that the characters and everyone else in them can enjoy a more full and fantastical experience. For example, one of the biggest ones in cinema that I can think of right now is when Legolas slides down the stairs on a shield. Now, in Dungeons & Dragons, that'd be a very difficult task to pull off, but I would still give you the chance to do it because it's cool. Hence, rule of cool. And then on top of that, I would like you guys all to remember that I'm human and I forget rules, just like our players will. So please keep that in mind when you're listening. And I know it's hard, but any time that we mess up or anything like that, we'll probably just stick with it for the episode. And then from then on out, we'll do our best to adjust and figure out the actual rules from there. But it's very hard to, in the middle of production, to figure out a rule that we're unsure of. So we'll just have to kind of go from there. So I'd like to introduce to you the world of Nagonia, which is where we'll be playing. And it is the most fleshed out game world I've ever created. The series A Song of Ice and Fire by George R.R. R. Martin has always inspired me in my dungeon mastering endeavors. And with that in mind, it would make sense that I created this world with the importance of nobility, dragons, secrets, interesting deities, betrayal, and so much more in mind. Uh, I also found inspiration from the series uh, that my name comes from, Dragonlance Chronicles and Legends, by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, uh, along with the Forgotten Realms books by R.A. Salvatore and countless other authors, uh, as I've been reading fantasy novels ever since I could read, honestly. 
this is definitely something that I I could not even ever note down all the things that have inspired me when it comes to gaming and my worlds that I create. But back to Nagonia. Uh, Nagonia is uh, inhabited by a diverse array of races. And now I'd like to list them real quick just so you guys all understand uh, what you might meet in this world. Uh, because I have excluded several of the um, canon races just because they don't really fit into my world setting a lot. Um, however, you might you might meet some that are actually, you know, you weren't expecting or aren't on this initial list. But for the most part, this is the majority of the peoples in the world of Nagonia. Of course, you have the Dragonborn. These were the first humanoids of the land. Uh, the gods created them first in their image. And then you have the High Elves, uh, who come from a far land, and they're very mysterious. And some rumor that they are actually dying out. And you also have the Wood Elves, who aren't exactly a split from the High Elves. They just look very similar, so many people call them by the same thing. Even though High Elves are maybe as genetically similar to Wood Elves as humans are to High Elves, people call them Elves because they look more alike. And that's just what happens. We also have halflings, uh, who in this world are island-dwelling small folk. Uh, they are fishers, farmers, and they, they often stick to their own islands, just similar to how halflings in most fantasy worlds are kind of the quiet race and they keep to themselves. Well, in this world, they do too, but more because of geographical reasons rather than their lack of desire to explore. Uh, there are plenty of halflings who do go explore in the world, but most of them choose to stick to their islands. We have the gnomes, who were once born and lived in the swamps of the world. But since then, they've kind of traversed all over, and because of their technological natures, they find themselves living in some of the most inhospitable places of the world. For example, the most notable city uh, of the gnomes, called Gnomehold, is actually built in the side of an active volcano. And this is because they use the heat to power their machines. The dwarves live both on and within the mountain of the southern continent. They are pretty much your standard dwarves that you have heard of in pretty much every fantasy world, okay? Uh, and then we also have, finally, humans. Now, just like most fantasy worlds and in real life, humans are of varied origin. And because of this, it makes them much more versatile, and they're able to expand and even grow a lot easier than the other races who are dealing with their own setbacks. So they have actually spread across both the northern continent and actually somewhat towards the southern continent. And of course, there are other humans in the, uh, the far continent to the east, but they're immigrants. They do not have any holdings there, and they do not hold many titles if they are there. Uh, and of course, we can't forget uh, the races that are commonly known as evil. Now, most of these peoples are rightfully known as evil. However, there are always the select few that aren't. And I'd like to share those with you at another date uh, when, become, when they become more relevant. But just know that there are several other peoples that exist in the world, such as uh, goblins, orcs, minotaurs, and uh, giants. But they often do align with the gods of evil as they were created by them. However, there are always exceptions, specifically the Minotaurs, 
who have forsaken their own gods uh, and are just pirates who roam the seas. As I mentioned before, when I started talking about the humans and how they're kind of spread all over, I even mentioned it a little bit with the gnomes and the dwarves, there are actually three major landmasses that make up the known world of Nagonia. So the first is Vererin's Tooth, uh, which juts from the north, uh, and the northernmost tip of it has never been explored because it is just too frigid and too cold. Uh, the temperatures drop so low that no one is able to return from it. Then you have to the south of that directly, the Ascari Isles, and this is the home of the halflings. This is where they dwell, this is where they grow up, and uh, in recent years it has actually become a colony of the human empire that is just to the north of it. And there's actually been a bit of occupation there. So the halflings are being oppressed in their own home. Uh, and then just uh, south of that, the landmass just to the south of that is known as God's Path. And the reason for that is this is where the gods landed. Um, and when I say that, two specific gods, when they first came to the world, landed here, and they began their battle and the first war of all eternity, known as the War of Dragons. And in this battle, they actually reduced this entire lush, beautiful continent down to almost entirely a desert, which is known as the Fiery Flatlands. And this place is home to many nasty creatures as they find themselves hidden away. Uh, the dwarves live on the mountains that rim this desert. And to the northern very tip, there is a small section of greenery and shoreline where a single city known as the city of Vago, and actually the city of Vago is the birthplace of our heroes. Not their home, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Now finally, the third and final continent is Awiria, a volcanic wasteland that is home to the sister cities of Gnomehold, which I mentioned before, and Gelfia which you will find out is the whole focal point of our entire game. These two cities have been at peace for at least 25 years. However, tensions are often high between the leadership of the two cities, leading to racial hostilities between the gnomes of Gnomehold and the dragonborn of Agelfia. Despite their differences, however, they still manage to cooperate within the big five companies. Businesses who, whose executives are all but royalty. These businesses have taken advantage of the Dragonborn's magical nature and the gnomes' mechanical nature, fusing them together to form what is known as magic tech devices. The Big Five each have grabbed a market and have held onto it with dear life. These five industries are the air transportation, land transportation, alchemical industry, military and self-defense advancement, and, of course, artificial intelligence development. Because of these titans of industry, the world is emerging into a new age, and our three heroes want nothing more than to be in the middle of it. So, while they were born in the city of Vago, their one and only goal right now is to go see this city of Egelfia and experience all that it has to offer. Because of these five large businesses, Agelfia has grown and has become the industrial powerhouse of the world. Uh, and in doing so, they have actually expanded their markets to the rest of the world, 
Now, when I say that, that's only in the slightest bit. So, only the rich of foreign cities have access to the mechanical and magical wonders of Egelfia. For example, in the first episode, you will actually see motorcycles, which you normally don't see in a high fantasy setting. Now, these might be owned by people in the city of Vago, but they're so far between that our characters don't know what they are when they first see them or hear them. It's quite confusing for them. My players have been given almost no information about these technologies, uh, just to kind of give a better realistic feel as they're actually going to experience it for the first time in-game. And that'll kind of give us a better chance to explain it to you, the audience. Isn't this some good quality music? This is Skirmish Epic Deadly Contest by Raphael Hofstetter from BattleBards.com. That's where we get all our background music and sound effects for the show. What is BattleBards? BattleBards is the most premium audio library ever created for the tabletop gaming experience, along with tools built specifically to use the audio seamlessly in-game. Tailor-made background music inspired by fantasy races and locations, voiceover scripts written to bring life to everyday NPC interactions, and a colossal array of bone-crushing, spell-blasting sound effects. This is BattleBards. If you're looking to get the best value out of BattleBards.com, I would recommend giving BattleBards Prime subscription a try. With this monthly subscription, you can enjoy streaming access to all BattleBards content. Access to all BattleBards tools, including their soundboard and mixer. The ability to upload and mix your own private audio library. And 20% off all purchases of sounds you wish to permanently add to your collection. I think this is enough for me. Go check it out for yourself and see what they have to offer. Now, let's get back to Dice List. I think it's about time you get to know our players and learn a little about the characters they will be playing. We have Nick. Hey guys, I'm Nick. Bronson. Hey, what's up everybody? And Aaron. Hello, hello. And they're going to explain who they're going to be playing in this game. First off, let's start with Nick. Hey guys, I'm Nick and I will be playing Dirk Vilgoth. He is a variant human arcane trickster. Uh, his highest stats are dexterity, intelligence, and constitution. Uh, his skill strengths are stealth, acrobatics, sleight of hand, and investigation. As a variant human, he has the mobile feet, making him very slippery in combat. 
uh, and his magical abilities as an arcane trickster focus on illusions and enchantment magic, and he uses them to cause plenty of mischief. Uh, Dirk grew up as an orphan in Vago. He was always a mischievous child uh, that thrived on pulling pranks. He eventually ended up on his own in the streets and did what he had to in order to get by. As time went on, he found himself walking the line with his dealings with criminal activities, sometimes working jobs for criminals, and sometimes stepping in and working some small-time vigilante work. He is uh, walking the line of good and evil and very chaotic. Uh, that's about all for Dirk. Uh, over to you, Bronson. I'm Bronson. I'll be playing Adam Vadova. He is a rogue wizard. I've got two levels in wizard, one in rogue. Um, his two best stats are intelligence and wisdom. They're each set at 17, so they're pretty good. His skills that he's best at, I'd consider insight, perception, and investigation. Those are, I get like a, seven, a plus seven bonus to like each of those, so it's pretty decent. And then for my human variant feat that I took, I got Prodigy, which gives me double proficiency in uh, one other skill and then one tool proficiency, which I believe I, I took as Thieves' Tools. Other than that, as far as Adam himself, he has two parents, both living. They're fairly wealthy, pretty pretty well off. They're not like mega rich or anything by any means, but um, they are wealthy. Adam doesn't really have a super in-depth relationship with them. Um, he spends most of his time at the library where he works as a library's assistant, does a ridiculous amount of reading. Other than that, yeah, like he uses his books to basically learn magic and practices it in his everyday life. Aaron, what about you? Hey, folks. Aaron here. Um, I'm going to be playing Bertram Dirgestride. He is a. He will round out our trio of humans here. He's a level three bard, and uh, he his best stats are charisma, of course. Um, then following Dex, Con, and Wisdom. Um, he took the actor feat as the variant human. Just give me a little bit more of a silver tongue to uh, deceive folks that I am who I say I am. Uh, but other than that, he has a biting wit, and he tends to be dressed well, although not in wealthy or new clothing. He's currently fleeing Vago to outrun some uh, family creditors that have come looking for their money after his father's death and that's uh where we find him these days uh raceland back to you yeah so thank you guys for taking a moment to explain your characters and i'm glad you all went into uh what your strengths are as far as your ability scores and your skills uh, but i do have one thing that i'd like to make sure our audience is aware of uh, we did not use the standard rolling method for the stats so all three of these characters have pretty high stats. Uh, I would say that, you know, most of them have a couple that are at least uh, 16, 17, 18, somewhere in there. And this is because I like running a game that seems a little bit more epic. 
And what that does is it makes it so that our lower level characters can make a lot of their skill rolls and a lot of their attack rolls as if they were, you know, had an extra plus one to their proficiency bonus even. And it really doesn't make a huge difference in game, but it just feels more epic because I can assign them at least to something they're good at, like a DC 20 check at their starting level of level three. And there's a possibility that they'll succeed. And it just, it just feels for me much more epic. So if this isn't how you like playing, I apologize, but I feel like this will create a very fun environment for our players and for you guys, the audience. I do have one more question for the three of you. Uh, you guys all chose the human variant as your, or as your race. Do you guys want to tell us why you did that? Well, for uh, Dirk, quite honestly, it was that mobile feat. Uh, having the mobile feat at an early level and uh, with having high stats already, it just felt like the right choice to make. Although, uh, should a replacement character be needed at some time, <laughs> I will be uh, choosing a uh, more unique race next time. I think I'm on the same page. Like, I took the human variants just to, so I could get that prodigy feat. I mean, that's a. That's honestly a big feat. Like, I, at least I think it is. Getting double proficiency in a skill, uh, getting double proficiency in a, a tool proficiency. At least that, maybe I have that wrong. It says you gain one language, one skill proficiency, one double, prof one skill double proficiency, and then one tool proficiency. So I'm, I'm guessing maybe then that that's just the one double skill proficiency, and then I can get a tool proficiency. Is that right, guys? Yeah, yeah, I think that's okay, right. Okay, okay. Uh, but yeah, I basically took it for for that. I mean, that's I think that's huge. Being able to get double proficiency is going to be something that's going to benefit me now and even more so further down the road. Because, I mean, as anyone knows that has played D&D, &D, your proficiency goes up with your level. So it's just, it's a huge benefit now and in the future. I, I picked Variant Human because it just kind of made sense. Um, where we started, Vago is relatively human. Um, and with our other players also picking human, I think there's a lot more potential there for interesting interactions where um, a group of humans interacts with things that are very unlike themselves, which is cool. Also, getting a feat right when you start you, you can't go wrong there. And actor for Bertram was a easy choice. Once you get to know um, his background, it'll it'll make sense. It'll come together. Okay. Uh, and one last thing I do want to note is that we didn't stick to the the traditional like party makeup, where you have your tank, your DPS, and your healer. And I think that that's something that'll be really interesting going forward because you guys have a lot of different focuses, but you don't really feel fit into these combat roles. And we've even joked that, you know, the rogue is actually the tank <laughs> because they have the most hit points, the highest constitution, and they can hold themselves in a fight. But... I don't know if I've ever actually played in the game where our rogue was our tank. It's not as difficult as and you I, think. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it just it's just a very interesting way to go about it, and I think it'll create a lot more interesting gameplay because you guys will have to come up with creative solutions for these problems that would normally be easily accomplished by just having a healer, a tank, and a DPS. Right, for someone that's strong. <laughs> yeah, and I think <laughs> that will be our weakness because I think the highest strength among us is 11, so yeah. that'll be fun. So all I have to do is say, you guys need to climb this rope, and you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool thing about casting spells, that's that's like you said, like it's going to create interesting situations where we're really going to have to use our utility to get around shit. I mean, like you said, like climbing up a ladder if we needed to climb, you know, some rickety or ladder that looks like it could fall at any second, we might just say screw that and try to cast like spider climb or something, or you know, right. come up with some other some other weird way of going about it. I think that's. I think it's going to be a cool story. Yeah, we're definitely a more roguish, intelligent, magically inclined party. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. I think it's going to be a lot of fun seeing how this new kind of way to comprise your party. Because you do, like you just said, you all have this kind of like roguish, magically inclined characters. But they're all very, very different in so many different ways. And it's just those subtle differences that I think will really be shine for you guys when we start playing i agree Mm -hmm. for sure so uh does anyone else have anything else you guys want to say before we get going don't think so yeah hopefully you know these characters don't kick the bucket super soon but if they do that's (laughs) just D. &D. yeah Yeah. uh, another thing is if in game one of our wonderful characters dies I'm I'm not going to plot armor their way out of it. They're going to be dead and they'll have to start over. But, you know, I'm not going to make them go all the way down to level 1, stuff like that. Yeah, that would suck. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll maybe I'll start them at like level 2. <laughs> make them really work for it a little bit. <laughs> Shit. No. No, you'll start off at the same level. I just think it'll be fun to build these characters and I really hope that none of them die. That's not my goal. I don't plan on killing any of them. But if they do, I will make it epic. Right. I promise that. One thing our characters will not be is boring. Nope. Nope. Yeah. That's that's safe to say. Yep. All right. Well, I think uh, this is enough intro for everyone. I think you guys have a good picture of what our three players are playing uh, and they're their characters. So without any more explanation, why don't you go ahead and hop on over to episode one and listen on in. I hope you enjoy and can't wait to have you guys come back again. Bye-bye. I want to thank you all for listening to this episode of Dice Heist. We hope you've enjoyed this production, and we look forward to you coming back for more. If you like what you've heard, send your friends, family, and anyone else you want to our way. You can find us anywhere podcasts are found. Check us out on Twitter at Dice underscore Heist. 
feel free to reach out to us there and let us know what you think. Lastly, I want to thank my three players, co-hosts, and partners, Aaron, Bronson, and Nick, for bringing this dream together with me. I want to give a special thanks, again, to Nick for letting us use his song, Something For Now, as our intro and outro for the show. And of course, lastly, I want to thank BattleBards.com for helping us improve our show with their amazing background music that we use. Please enjoy episodes 0, 1, 2, and 3, as they have all been released to kickstart this series. We will be releasing a new episode every Sunday. Our next episode will be released on March 28th, so don't forget to mark your calendars. We can't wait to share the next episode of Dice Heist with you.